Good morning, Calvary Church. How we doing? Let's all stand, and if we could open our Bibles or your mobile device, if you have a phone or an iPad, to John chapter 1, please. John chapter 1. This is what we read. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him, all things were made, and without Him... Nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. <laughs> and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Now, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent nor of human decision or a husband will, husband's will, but born of God. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out, saying, This is the one I spoke about when I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of his fullness, huh, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. Wow, this is beautiful. Let's pray. Father, we, we've, we've gathered, here, gathered here today, Lord, to hear from you. Lord, to experience your presence, to worship you, to honor you. And God, I, I just pray right now that as... As we look into your word this morning, Lord, no one here wants to hear my opinion, Lord. My opinion's not worth a dime. But God, we want to hear your truth. We want to hear your word. And I pray that that would happen today. And I pray, Lord, that you would prepare all of our hearts to receive it, Lord. We are all in different places in our spiritual walk today, Lord. And no matter where we are, let us receive this word that you have for us, not just as a group, but for each of us as individuals, because I know, Lord, that you love and care for us, not just as a group, but you know us each by name, you care for us each by name, and you want us all to walk in the light today. God be with us, anoint this word in Jesus' name, amen. So we read this morning out of John chapter 1, and I, I have to tell you something, I love John's writing style. It's so distinct from the writers of the other three Gospels. John is more interpretive in his writing than the three synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. The Gospel of Mark is quick and to the point, right? Gospel of Matthew um, draws on all this Jewish history and connects the dots for his Jewish readers. And, and Luke 
writes like a Greek historian, but John wants to do more than just tell a story. He wants to expound on the theology contained in that story, and he's not just producing a documentary about Jesus. He wants to reveal who Jesus really is, and as he begins, he writes what is, in my opinion, the most beautiful passage in in the Bible. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God from the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made, and in Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind, and the light shines in the darkness, but the darkness does not overcome it. Wow. And in these 18 verses, what we, uh, what we read this morning are essentially John's thesis for his gospel. In these verses, he leads his readers to believe um, that the Word who was with God in the beginning, who was God, who is the true light that gives light to every person, is Jesus Christ. And then he uses the remainder of his gospel to, to actually prove that, to bear that out. So, there's this metaphor he uses. He talks about the light, and obviously he's using this me- metaphorically, but for what purpose? What is John trying to show us by saying Jesus Christ is light? Well, let's think about what does light do, right? First, when light reflects all things, we see them. That's how we see things, and that's one of the ways that we interact with the world around us and and how we learn about the world around us and, and how we function. And as the light of the world, Jesus shows us things, and I want to talk about a couple things that Jesus shows us at the light of the world. First, light exposes us. Let me read John 3, 16 through 21. You're going to hear a lot from John this morning. I just love John's writing. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light, because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed, but whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Light exposes things that we really would rather not have exposed. We don't like it. We don't. Nobody wants their evil, unseemly, inappropriate, sinful, embarrassing behavior exposed. No one does. And yet that's exactly what Jesus says. This light that has come into the world will do if we let it. He says that if we live by the truth, we will come into the light. And that's painful. It's uncomfortable. It's embarrassing, especially when it happens in public. And we've seen a lot of that in the last few months, haven't we? 
We've seen a lot of men and women have their deeds come into the light and expose them, and it's, it, it's been very troubling. But this exposing that Jesus is talking about is good. It's actually good. In fact, it's the best thing in the world for us. Yeah? Think about it. We cannot fix what is wrong with us until what is wrong with us is exposed. Let me give you an example. After my wife, Glennis, and I had been married for, for, for a few years, we kind of decided it was time to start a family and let's, let's, have, let's start having children. But after a few months, we weren't, we weren't having much success. And not only that, but Glennis was beginning to experience some physical symptoms that, that were really starting to worry us. And so we went to see her doctor. And after an examination, he told us that Glennis likely had a condition called endometriosis, which unless we had it treated surgically, would make it next impossible for us to have children. And before we left his office that afternoon, we had made an appointment for her to have surgery the week before Christmas. In fact, she pointed out to me this morning that, that tomorrow is the anniversary of that surgery. Now, there was no way for us to know how serious this condition was or how successfully it could be treated until the actual surgery took place. And to be honest, I mean, our heads were swimming when the doctor gave us these news, this, this news. Our plans of getting started raising a family had, had, had run into what seemed to be a brick wall. And I still, to this day, I vividly remember I vividly remember the walk from the doctor's office having received that news and walking to our car in the parking lot. It seemed like it was a mile away. It was a few feet probably. And, you know, darkness was settling in. It was a late fall evening. And late afternoon, darkness was settling in. And it just matched our spirits perfectly. So then on December 18th, Glenn has had the surgery, and, and it, it did confirm what her doctor had suggested, and he did what he could do, and we went home. And I helped her upstairs and helped her get into bed, and she was in a lot of pain, and we just waited and hoped and celebrated Christmas a week later. Well, a few days after that, we were at the post-op consultation, and, and um, the doctor explained that, that Glenn would, would start on a, a treatment regimen for a few months to make sure that this condition never returned, and um, they were, we we're going to wait a month before we started the treatment, and, and, and Glennis asked, well, what happens? Sorry, I thought this would be easier. She said, what if I get pregnant before then? And uh, that doctor, I think he was a little bit amused, you know, and he, he very gently and patiently said, you have to understand that you've had, you know, significant surgery, okay? 
And technically, yeah, it's possible that you may get pregnant, but, but honey, don't, don't count on it. But God, yeah, but God, before the month was over, we were expecting our first daughter. Yeah. And the pregnancy went perfectly, and Glennis has never to this day had those symptoms again. Yeah. But, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. If we had never received the doctor's diagnosis that exposed this condition, we never would have taken the next step to have it corrected, right? And we most likely today would not have three beautiful daughters that God's blessed us with. There's a reason I read this passage in John starting with verse 16 instead of starting with 19. And the reason is, we need to view this exposing that God does to us in light of his love, not his condemnation. Not his condemnation. Let me go back to John 3.16. I want to go back to the 16th verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. See, the purpose of the light coming into the world and exposing our sins is not so God can condemn us. It's not. And if that's your view of God today, I want to tell you, get rid of it. That is not our God. It's not. God's loving kindness endures forever. His anger lasts a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. God is patient with us, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Listen, God is good. God is good. Jesus doesn't expose our sins to embarrass us. He doesn't expose our faults to belittle us. He doesn't do it to put us down. And he certainly doesn't do it to condemn us. He does it for our good. John writes that Jesus has come to save the world, but how can that happen if we don't realize our need for a Savior? That's why the light reveals our sins so that we can realize our true state and we can turn to him. You see, if Glennis and I had never gone to the doctor and her, her condition revealed to us, exposed to us, right, if you will, we never could have fixed it. And really, to be more precise, we still couldn't fix it, could we? That was way beyond our abilities. We needed a physician. And, I, you know, I hope that's not too heavy-handed of a metaphor, but listen, when the light reveals our sinful nature, we need the great physician. We need the healer of our souls. See, we won't turn to a Savior until we realize that we need a Savior. That's why the light exposes our evil deeds. It makes it plain to us that everything we've done has been done in God's sight. 
It's all for our good. But the light just doesn't expose us. Light reveals God to us. In the passage we read at the beginning of this sermon, John wrote the very last verse, No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son who is himself God and is in close, closest relationship with the Father has made him known. Humans have, have long desired to know God, but God has been fairly inaccessible before Jesus. Yeah. Jesus, who John writes, is himself God and is in, is in closest relationship with the Father, made it possible for us to finally know God, to really know Him. And you know, I can break that down by talking about the characteristics that Jesus showed and how those reflect the characteristics of God, but that's not my point today. See, I could focus, if I wanted to, on His patience and His kindness and His mercy and His grace and His compassion and all those things, and they're wonderful. They're wonderful, but the most significant aspect of God that I think Jesus has made known to us is beyond those things. What I think is the greatest, most amazing, most mind-blowing aspect Jesus had made known to us about God the Father is his extravagant, outrageous love for us. Yeah? Listen, all the characteristics of God the Father are amazing, and they're good, and they're just. And, and, and you know, the more we learn about God, the more we grow and get closer to God and um, know Him deeper, the more we come to understand and appreciate all those characteristics of God and His nature, and the more we love Him and we adore Him and we worship Him. But His love, I think, is possibly the most amazing thing about Him. This is what Paul wrote, the Apostle Paul. In Romans, Paul wrote that God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Yeah. And John, back to John, love John. In his first letter, 1 John, he says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us. Lavished. Yeah. That we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. And later in the same letter, John writes these words, this is real love. Not that we love God, but he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. So you can't talk about what Jesus did on the cross and how he saved us without talking about God's love. See, it's central. God's love is central to this great redemption narrative. It's really all about His love for us. And that is, I believe, the greatest thing that Jesus, the light, reveals to us about God. One more thing about light. Light gives life. Yeah. See, light provides, just look at it in a natural sense, light provides the energy that green plants use to create sugars, mostly in the form of starches, that then release energy into all living things that digest and consume those things. It's called photosynthesis. In fact, in this manner, light essentially provides all the energy for all living things. Think about that for a moment. And think about that as a metaphor for Christ. 
In the scripture that we read earlier, that we opened with in John chapter 1, we read these words, Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. And in him was life. And that life was the light of mankind. And if I put this in the context of creation, through Jesus, John says, through Jesus everything was created from nothing. And not just like inanimate objects, not just stars and planets and rocks and dirt, but living things. And not just like plants and, and algae and bacteria, but animals, right? But not just animals, humans out of nothing, ex nihilo. So how is that possible? Hmm. In Jesus was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. So John said, and I'm not talking about just any life, I'm talking about humankind, talking about humans. And this is what the psalmist wrote about us. He's talking to God, and he, he says, You made them a little lower than the angels, and you crowned them with glory and honor. You made them rulers over the works of your hands and put everything under their feet. We are God's special creation. We're not just another part of the cosmos. And Jesus is our life, the light of all mankind. Now, in John chapter 8, again with John, right? we find one of the great I am statements. There are seven I am statements in the, in the Gospel of John, and they're all metaphors, things like, I am the good shepherd, I am the way, the truth, and the life, I am the true vine. And what we find in John chapter 8, verse 12 is this. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus himself said that he's the light of the world. So here's a few observations. First, Jesus is the light of the world, not a light of the world. There is no other. Whether it's politically correct or not, I will tell you, Muhammad is not a light of the world. Buddha is not a light of the world. Postmodern thought and philosophy is not a light of the world. This is a binary state. There is either Jesus or there is darkness. There is no third option. Okay? Number two, there is still darkness in the world. When Jesus came, it's not like, boom, all the darkness is gone. No, there's still darkness in the world. If we follow Jesus, we will not walk in that darkness. But it still exists. And it will continue to exist until Jesus returns and the new heaven and the new earth come. And quite bluntly, if you are not following the light of the world now, you're still in darkness. And the third observation, the light that Jesus gives is the light of life. Yeah, of life. Again, it's not a light of life, but it's the, the only light of life. And it's only found in following Jesus. And anything else is a very crude, and, and to be honest with you, a very cruel imitation of the life that Jesus offers. So, so what, right? I think we always need to answer the question, so what? What, what do you make of this? What I want to do... 
is look at the circumstances that led up to this statement that John records in John chapter 8. Let's go back a few verses to John 8, verse 2. At dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commands us to stone such women. Now, what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to him, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw the stone at her. And again, he stooped and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Neither do I condemn you. Go now, leave your life of sin. Get this picture. Jesus is teaching in the temple courts. And we read that the teachers of the law and the Pharisees, now these are supposed to be the good guys, right? They're the religious people brought in a woman who they say was caught in the act of adultery, caught in the act. Do you suppose this woman even had a chance to grab a sheet to cover herself with? What kind of shame and fear was she experiencing? And how is it that she was caught in the act to begin with? And now... They were telling Jesus that in the law, Moses commanded them to stone such women. Really? Last I checked, it took two people to commit adultery. Where was the guy? And, and actually, this is what the law said. In Leviticus, this is what the law said. If a man commits adultery with another man's wife, with the wife of his neighbor, both the adulterer and the adulteress are to be put to death. See, John is saying they're trying to trap Jesus, and they were using the woman as a pawn to do so. They, they thought they had him in a bit of a catch-22 because if he let the woman go, he wasn't honoring the law. He was disobeying the, the, the law, and he was doing it right there in the temple courts of all places. But if he let them stone her, he probably wasn't this teacher of love he made himself out to be. And not only that, but the Romans did not allow that. Understand that Palestine was under Roman law, and they didn't allow Jews to just stone people based on their law. But Jesus was not to be trapped. You know, especially by someone trying to use the law against him. Remember what John said? Jesus is the Word. And they're going to use the law against him. So, instead of responding, he kind of ignores them. And he just bends down and he starts writing in the dust with his finger. And they persisted. The religious people, they persisted, they persisted. And finally he straightened up and said, let any one of you without sin cast the first stone. And he went back to writing on the ground. Peculiar? Yeah? I don't know. He made his point. They went away one at a time, the older ones first. Maybe they said, I'm getting out of here before this <laughs> turns towards me. Until finally, there was nobody there, right? 
Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go now, leave your life of sin. Confronted with the crowd of self-righteous men, Jesus refused to condemn a woman who, who actually was guilty. For you see, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever does not believe stands condemned already. The woman was facing death at the hands of a group of people who really cared nothing for her. They just wanted to trap Jesus. And instead of condemnation, Jesus gave her life. He didn't, he didn't tell her her sin was okay. He didn't tell her, don't worry about it. He told her, go now and leave your life of sin. Don't do it again. Stop it. Reset. Repent. And then he said, then he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Yeah, there it is. That's the hope for a woman caught in the act of adultery whose sin has been exposed for everyone to see. There's a better way. Follow Jesus and never walk in darkness. Follow Jesus and have the light of life. And here's my point. We are all this woman caught in the act. The devil is our accuser. Tell me you've never committed adultery, but you know Jesus said if you lusted after someone in your heart, you're guilty of it. Tell me you've never told a lie. Tell me you've never taken something that didn't belong to you. Tell me you've never used cruel words and hurt somebody. You may not like thinking about it, just like Glennis and I didn't like getting the news from that doctor about her condition. You know, walking out of that doctor's office was one of the darkest days of our life, but it put us on the road to healing. It let us do what was necessary to fix the condition. So again, I say to you, we are all, we are all that woman who was caught in the act. Satan would drag us before God, saying we deserve to be punished, and we do, but Jesus says, neither do I condemn you. Go now and leave your life of sin. God didn't send Jesus in the world to condemn it. Jesus said later in chapter 8 of, of John, he said, I pass judgment on nobody. Yeah? For now. I mean, certainly there is coming a day when Jesus will be the judge, but not now. Now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. So here it is. Jesus, the light of the world, offers us a way out of the darkness of sin and into a world of light. He exposes our sins, our weaknesses, and our need for him. But he also reveals a God who loves us extravagantly and gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And I repeat what John wrote in 1 John. This is real love. Not that we love God, but he loved us and sent his son 
as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Folks, Christmas matters. Christmas matters. Let's all bow our heads, please. Now, I don't know where you come from this morning, how, how you've even come to be with us today. Maybe you're here all the time. Maybe you were here last Sunday night and you thought, I'm going to go check out what these people are all about. They seem pretty nice. I guess we are. But what I want to tell you is every one of us are that woman caught in the act, and every one of us need a Savior. And the problem sometimes when, when our sins are not exposed is we think everything's okay. And we can be like the person who has a cancer growing but feels okay, and by the time he or she realizes it, it's too late. And I want to tell you, the light of Jesus exposes our sin. Let that happen. Do not ignore it. And if you've never made a decision for Christ, I'm telling you right now, you are in darkness and you don't even know you're in darkness, but when you come into the glorious light, it's amazing, it's remarkable. And you can do that today. And, and, I, will, I, and I will tell you, there's probably some of you here that you've made a decision to follow Christ in the past, but you've let it slide. We call that backsliding in the church. And you slip back in that world of darkness. Jesus says, follow me, and you'll never walk in darkness. And God's pulling at your heart right now saying, I, I need to get back into that glorious light. You may be sitting here thinking, Dan, you don't know what I've done. You, you, you don't know what I've done. It's, it's God, God's not going to overlook it. I'm telling you, today, now is the day of salvation. Now Jesus is still standing there saying, neither do I condemn you. Go and leave your life of sin. And, and you may be thinking, God, you, you know, I've, I've, I've made commitments in the past, but I couldn't keep them. Okay, the door's not shut. Jesus still says, follow me and you will not walk in darkness. So as every head is stay bowed I just want to ask you come on let the spirit talk to you don't fight it if you say I need to commit my life I want to start following Christ or I've kind of slipped away and I haven't been doing it and I'm coming back I want to follow Christ I just want you to raise your hand just raise your hand right now quickly if that's you now is the day of salvation now is the day of God's favor okay let's pray Father I, I I thank you for these people who have raised their hands this morning, Lord. God, I thank you, Lord, that you've spoken to them. But, Lord, I'm so grateful that you are God that, that doesn't condemn. Lord, we stand condemned already. You are God that lavishly loved us, extravagantly loved us, and sent your Son to die for us, to redeem us from our sins. And I thank you for that, Lord. And these people that raise their hands now, Lord, I just pray that you would help them to grow in you. In Jesus' name, let them, let them come to know the Christ that we know. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Let's all pray together. And for those of you who raised your hand, I want you to, we're, we're, we're going to pray along with you and help you. Because, see, the Bible says if we would confess with our mouths, that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. Wow, we will.
And today can be the day now that you start that journey walking in the light, not walking in darkness. Yeah, because God's good and he loves you so much. So everybody, please pray this with me. And those of you who raise your hands, make this your confession as you pray. Dear God, I want to find what others in this room have found. I know that, like everyone here, I am guilty of sin. And like everyone here, I need a Savior. I confess Jesus is Lord. And I believe you raised him from the dead. I want to live a new life in Jesus. Forgive me of my sins. Change my heart to be more like you. Fill me with your joy and peace. Help me now to walk in the light. Thank you for this amazing gift. Amen. Calvary Church is committing to help you live a life for Christ. Guys, I love you. I hope you're having a great Christmas season. Christmas matters, and this is one of the reasons why. God bless you. Grace and peace.